Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. The book of Romans chapter 14, we'll start reading from verse number 1. Romans 14, we're reading from verse number 1. They receive one who is weak in the faith but not to dispute over doubtful things. For one believe he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who casts, who eats, despise him who does not eat. Let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? Another servant. To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike, like let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observe it unto the Lord. He who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe it. He who eats to the Lord, he, to, uh, to the Lord, for he gives thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and give God thanks. For none of us live to himself, and no one die to himself. For if we live and to, for, to, for if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For this end, Christ died and rose again, and rose and live again, and he that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. For why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. But rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. I know and I'm convinced by the Lord, by the Lord Jesus Christ, that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. If your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy your, do not destroy with your food the one whom Christ has died. Therefore, do not let your good be evil spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For we, for he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by man. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things, all things indeed are pure. But it is evil for the man who eats with offense. 
If it is, it is good neither to eat meat or nor drink wine, nor to do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. You have faith. Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not of faith is sin. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his words in Jesus' name. If we were to sum up everything that Paul the Apostle is saying, we can sum it up under three titles, under three topic, uh, three headings. The first one is that Paul the Apostle was writing to the church to let them understand one basic fact. And that basic fact is that there is, the church is diverse in nature. In other words, Paul is saying the church is made up of different kinds of people. The church is not a club of like-minded people. It is not a club of like-minded people. The church is not made up of a homogeneous group of people who like the same thing and dislike the same thing. Paul is saying the church is a diverse group of people and people have different preference. They have different display. They have different uh, disposition. They, uh, they have different level of understanding, different level of maturity. Number two, Paul is saying, people have different likes and people, they have different dislikes. In other words, if the church is made up of different people and they have different disposition and they have different growth rate and they have different rate of maturity, different level of conviction, Paul is saying you should expect that they will understand in a certain way and they will not understand certain things. They will like certain things, they will not like certain things. And Paul went ahead and told them, gave them an example. Some people like to eat food. Some other people cannot stand it. Some people like to celebrate certain days. Some others cannot celebrate those days. He said, you must understand that in the church of God that is diverse, people will like things and they will have different likes and different dislikes. And finally, Paul is saying, love one another, despite all the differences. Despite all the diversity in the church. Despite the differences. Despite the fact that your brother likes what you don't like. He has preference for the things that you don't like. Paul the Apostle is saying, our command is that we should love one another. He said, because the tendency that we have as individuals is this. We have the tendency to love the people that do the things that we like. We have the tendency to be friendly with the ones who do things the way we like it done. But Paul is saying that is not what the way, that's not the way the church of God is supposed to operate. Our duty as transformed believer, according to the word of God, is to love in spite of our obvious differences. Love them even when you do not subscribe to the things that they prefer. You must understand that people are different and you love them for who they are. So that is the basic summary. Of what chapter 14 is all about. But this particular chapter 14 has a very strong tendency of being easily misunderstood. It can be misapplied. It can be made to say the things that Paul did not intend to say. Or Paul is not even talking about. The question is what is chapter 14 talking about? Because we know centrality is centered around love and tolerance. It's centered around accepting my brother. It's centered around making sure that you do not become a, a stumbling block to the other people. It's saying, receive brothers who are weak in the faith. Paul is talking about uh, that we should not, you know, we should not dispute over the things that are irrelevant. We should not fight ourselves over non-essential things. Paul is saying that we should not judge one another. So there is a strong tendency for us to take Paul's word and apply it across the board. And when you do that, you create a lot of problems because you are going to bring things that Paul was not talking about. So there are two basic things that Paul was talking about in this verse of the scripture. The first one is that Paul is saying, as a believer, you should accept other believers' preference 
as long as it relates to non-essentials of our faith. Let me repeat that. Paul is saying, as a believer who is in the house of God, when your brother has a preference on the things that are non-essential, when they are not essential, he said you should be able to accommodate their preference. I'll give you an example. In this building, as we are all believers, as we are all members of this church, one of the things we can all agree about is this, or we can tolerate, uh, tolerate among ourselves is this. If we decide to paint this hall in hot pink, that should not be a deal breaker. The fact that you paint this auditorium in hot pink, does not, it, should not be a, it should not be a deal breaker. If we paint it in black, some of us might have issues with it, but that should not be a deal breaker. That's basically what Paul is saying. That there are people who want to eat meat because they believe that there are no idols, that are idols are nothing. He said, if you are strong enough to believe that, no problem, go ahead and eat to your satisfaction. He said, there are some who believe that this meat has already been sacrificed to idols. If I eat it, it's going to defy me, so I'm not going to eat it. He said, if, it if that is their position, he said, leave them alone. Because whether you eat or you don't eat, it doesn't define your faith. It doesn't define who you are. It doesn't change your faith. It doesn't change your relationship with the Almighty God. So he's talking about the fact that when you are talking about the accepting our believers that Paul, accepting other believers that Paul is talking about, is talking about as it relates to the non-essentials of your faith. If your brother has a different opinion or a different preference regarding an issue that is not core to the Christian faith, he said you should be willing to accept it. But when a believer begins to have an idea that is contrary to the word of God concerning the salvation of our soul, Concerning the birth, the person, the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Concerning what a man needs to do to get saved and be born again and to get into eternity with Christ. That is not what Paul is talking about. You are saying that if we decide to paint this auditorium in a different color, he said, yes, you can agree. You can work it out. You guys can come to a compromise and say, okay, no problem. Let's paint half and paint the other half. He said, but when it comes to the foundation of this building, you do not compromise. Because if I say I'm going to compromise on the foundation of this building, Sooner or later, we will have no building because it's not going to sit on anything. So Paul is saying, the love of your brother, the understanding of your, for your brother, the acceptance of your brother, being, a, being accommodating of your brother's point of view has to do with the non-essential part of your faith. Allow your brother, allow your fellow believer to live at the level of their faith. That's what Paul is saying. You are at this level. Your brother is at this level. Do not force your brother to get to this level. It's just like when you say you need to be able to fast as, as a church. We want to move forward, so everybody must fast 40 days. There are people who cannot fast for one hour. The thought of fasting alone makes them hungry. The day they talk about fasting, that is the day that their system just goes out of work. Because that is, they are not up to that level yet. He said, accept them for who they are. Accept them for their level of faith. Allow your, allow your fellow believer to operate at the level of their faith. Do not try to impose upon them your own level. The fact that you can pray for three hours does not mean that everybody must pray three hours to get to heaven. That is not the condition for getting to heaven. Yes, it will enhance your work with the Almighty God, but that is not the condition of our faith. Jesus Christ, the Bible did not say that those who pray three, those who pray three or four hours a day are the ones that will get into heaven. He never said that. But the thing is that if there is a believer who can do that, you should not hold everybody to that same standard. That's what Paul is saying. There are some essentials and non-essential. He said, on the non-essential thing, be willing to accommodate your fellow believer. But what Paul is not saying 
is this. Paul is not saying that we must accept a fellow believer on everything. Okay? He is not saying that you should allow a believer who is living contrary to the word of God and you just keep quiet because you want to show love. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is not talking about an open-ended acceptance of all ideas, of all preferences, of all behavior of a fellow believer for the sake of love in the church of God. No, that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is not talking about an open-ended acceptance of a believer just because you want to say, I love you. Just because you want to show the whole world that we have, we are displaying love. What Paul is saying that as a believer, you should accept other believers' preference as it relates to the non-essentials of our faith and allow that particular believer to operate at the level of their faith. That's what Paul is talking about. If we are going to say it is an open-ended law where everybody just comes in, we are not able to discriminate, then we no longer have a faith. Paul is not talking about the fact that you disagree with the tenets of the word of God and then I still say I love you because I don't want to judge you and because I want to be tolerant. That's not what Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about an understanding that you cannot compromise the core of your faith just because you want to show love to other people. Paul understands, but we are making this distinction because Paul understands one thing, that there is a difference between essentials and non-essentials. Paul is making a, you know, Paul is talking about, we are, we are making this distinction because there is a deep, there is a, there are essentials and non-essentials in the church of God. He understood that there is a core belief in the Christian faith and there are non-core beliefs in the, in the Christian faith. If you look at that Romans chapter 14 verse 1, Romans chapter 14 verse 1. Look at what the Bible says. What Paul is a, is a statement that is there that can be easily overlooked. Overlooked. The Bible says, receive one who is weak in the faith. Look at the next statement. It says, but not dispute over doubtful things. In other words, those things, if you look at that word, doubtful things, it's talking about do not begin to dispute over non-essential things. There are things that you can argue about that are good. There are things that you need to take a position on, which are essential. There are certain things that whether you take a position or doesn't take, it doesn't make much difference. They are non-essential. In other words, there are things that are worth fighting over in the church. There are things that you don't need to fight over. And you must know what is essential and what is not essential. That's what basically what Paul is saying. Paul understood. Essentials are non-essential. Paul understood that not everything a believer believes in the church is of equal importance. Not every issue that we discuss in the church is of equal importance. And Paul gave us an example here. He talked about the fact that the food, he talks about the drink, he talks about the holiday. He said, I know and I'm convinced, according to the word of God, that the food sacrificed to idols are nothing. Because the idols are nothing. Right. He knows that. He said, but if I, if, if my partaking of that particular activity will cause my brother to fail, he said, then I will stop it. Not because I believe there's anything there, but because I'm mindful of my brother's welfare. So you must understand, there are certain things that are important in the church. They carry some weight. There are certain things that don't carry weight. When we're talking about the essential nature of our faith, the essential nature of, our, of the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, the reason why, how, what we need to do to be saved, those are the core issues that we should have a conversation on and it should never be compromised. Why are you talking about how good looking you are going to dress or with painting of the room, the carpeting of the floor, those things, yes, they are important to some people, but they do not, they are not a deal breaker. Paul is saying that you do not accept from anybody the personal interpretation of the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we must understand that particular difference. 
Paul wrote to the Galatian church in Galatians chapter 1. This is one of the most strongly worded statements that Paul has ever written. In Galatians chapter 1, reading from verse number 6, Bible says, because that's to tell you that Paul understood between essential and non-essential. In verse number 1 of Galatians, verse number 6 of Galatians chapter 1, Paul wrote, he said, I marvel that you are so removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. So he's talking about the found, he's talking about the fundamentals now. Okay? In verse number 7, he said, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and will pervert the gospel of Christ. Verse number 8. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach another gospel unto you, that which you have not preached unto you, let him be accursed. In other words, he's saying, there are some fundamentals that you cannot change. There are some fundamentals that you cannot argue with. There are some fundamentals that you never compromise. He said, if anybody comes and tell you something else, apart from what I have preached to you, concerning the nature of the gospel, concerning the purpose of the gospel, concerning the power of the gospel, or the nature of our Lord Jesus Christ, if anybody comes and tell you something else, he said, let that person come from heaven. Let that person be an angel. He said, let that person be cursed. It's basically saying that there are things you do not argue with. There are certain things that you never give, you know, just because of the sake of love in the church. You never bend those things. Look at verse number 9. As if what he said was not strong enough. In verse number 9 of Galatians chapter 1, Paul the apostle went on to say, he said, as, as we said before, so I shall say I again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. So in case you fail to get it the first time, I'm telling you again that there are some essentials of the gospel that you do not mess with. There are some basic things that you do not challenge. There are certain things that you do not compromise. And there are certain things that you can always, you know, yeah, they don't spoil, they don't disturb anything. Paul is saying if you come and you compromise the foundation of the gospel, whoever does that, that person will be cursed. So you see, accepting and understanding another believer, accepting their point of view, accepting the way, their way of life is good when you are dealing with non-essential issue, not when you are dealing with the core of the Bible. But on the foundation of our faith, we cannot afford to compromise. And the reason why you cannot afford to compromise is because when we compromise the foundation of our faith, we have nothing to stand on. If you shortcut on the foundation of this building, it's a question of time. It's going to fall. So when we compromise on the foundation of our faith, we have nothing to stand on. Number two, when we compromise on the foundation of our faith, we no longer have a saving grace. We no longer, we no longer have a saving faith. Number three, when we compromise on the foundation of our faith, we start to believe a lie. And that's why a lot of people believe that they are Christians when they are not even Christians. There are those who believe that they are going to heaven when they have not even started the journey. Many people who believe that their names are written in the Lamb Book of Life when God doesn't even know them. So the idea is that when you take it, when you don't understand the foundation of the faith and you begin to compromise on it, you will find that that you start believing a lie. Not only that, you will begin to find out that the saving power, the saving grace, the ability of the gospel to be able to transform life is lost when you compromise the foundation. And that is why you find that we will preach. The preaching have no power. 
We will pray and the result will not come. The Lord God Almighty said, whatever we lay our hands to do to will prosper. We lay hands on things and it does not prosper. Is it because God is a liar? No, it's because the, found, the truth that we're supposed to believe, the fundamentals of the word of God have been compromised in our lives. And when that happened, the power of that particular gospel to be able to deliver the results that have been promised unto us, that power will not be manifested. And as long as the saving power of the word of the word of God is lost, there is a strong probability that our hope for eternity is shaky. Because when you do not have that particular foundation, when you're not sitting on the right foundation, when you're not sitting on the right foundation, the power that is supposed to guarantee your work with the Almighty God, when that power is lost, you have no hope. We are just like any other person. And that is why the Bible says, earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Fight for that particular faith. If not for anything, fight for it in your own life. To believe, to know what you believe, and to stand on it. Yes, it is good to show love to people in the house of God. It is good to show love to fellow brothers and sisters in the house of God. It is good for us to maintain evidence of our salvation, evidence of our transformation. But when that particular love begins to encroach on the fundamentals of your faith, you are supposed to take a stand. That is what Paul the Apostle is trying to let us understand. And so in verse number 1, Paul says, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. In other words, Paul is saying, it is our duty as a believer to be able to respect the wishes of other believers as long as that believer, as long as the wish of that believer does not, does not cancel the basis of our faith. In verse number two and three, Paul re-emphasized this particular call for us to continue to believe and support it with an example. In verse number two, he said, for one believe he may eat all things. But he who is weak, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. Let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. In other words, the fact that I do it like this does not mean I have a monopoly or have a corner on the market. It doesn't mean that is the only way you can do it. It doesn't mean that is the best way you can do it. It doesn't mean that's the only approved way to do it. There's only one way to be saved. That's not the issue that Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about your normal day-to-day conduct. How you carry yourself. How you conduct yourself as a believer. There are several ways in which you can do this thing. You can eat what you, you know. You can eat if you have the faith. You can abstain if you don't have the faith. That's basically what Paul is saying. Because you are doing something and your brother is not doing it that you are better than that person. Or that person is a sinner. And that has been the goal. That's what is going on in the church. There are some churches where if you go in there and you do not dress the way I'm dressed, then you cannot be allowed to come in. There are some that if you do not tie your head like a mourner, you will not be allowed to come in. There are some if you don't speak in a certain way, you are not yet born again. That is the idea of what Paul is talking about here. Paul is saying the fact that you do it one way does not mean that the person who is not doing it your way just doesn't mean that that person is not saved. But you must be willing to accommodate that person. In verse number four, Paul now asks the question. He said, who are you to judge another man's servants? Who are you to judge your fellow brothers? Who are you to say that that person is not born again? Who are you to say that that person is not living right? Who are you to say that what he's doing is not correct? Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master, he stands of all. Indeed, he will be made to stand. For God is able to make him to stand. In other words, God is able to say, I accept what you are doing. What's your problem? I'm the one that he's serving and I give him a check mark. Who are you to complain? 
He's serving me. I'm the one who died for him. And this is my book. I'm the one who told him. And this is the way I, I, and he's living like this. I say, okay, I like the way he's living. Who are you to complain? It is not you. You are not God. So Paul is asking, who are you to judge another person's servants? Your preference is not the standard of the word of God. God's word is the standard of God's word. In verse number five, Paul the apostle say, one person esteem one day above another, another esteem another alike. He say, let each of us be fully convinced in our own mind. In other words, when you are doing anything in the house of God, when you are serving God, when you are behaving in a certain way, whatever you do for God, be convinced in your heart. Don't do it because one pastor told you. Don't do it because one brother told you. Don't do it because you are trying to copy a particular individual or you are trying to fit into a particular mold or you want to be acceptable. Don't do it. Paul is saying, let each of us be fully persuaded in his mind. And by the time you get to the end of that particular chapter, because say, whatever you do outside of faith, whatever you do outside of conviction, whatever you do when you are not fully persuaded, he says it's a sin. Because you become what? You become inconsistent. You become a hypocrite. When you say you believe one thing and you are acting contrary. So whatever you do, let us be fully persuaded in our own mind. And by the time you get to verse number 6, Paul the apostle now said, He who observes the day, observe it unto the Lord. He who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats to eats to the Lord, he who and, and for he gives thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and he gives thanks. And it went on and on and on and on just to let us understand that whatever you do, it is a relationship between you and God. And in verse number ten to verse number twelve, Paul now you you will notice that Paul was basically saying you have no right to judge another person because judgment belongs to the Almighty God. Okay. The question is, why then must you not judge? Let's go back to verse 1 to number 4 again. Paul the Apostle said, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things. He who, who is weak eats only vegetables. If you go on to verse number 4, say, Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or fall. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. So why, why, why is Paul saying you should not be judging another. The first reason, number one reason is because believers are accountable to God only. Nobody's accountable to you. If anybody accounts to you, it's because they just want to. They are not accountable to you. My salvation is not, on, it's not accountable to you. Your salvation is not accountable to me. As a minister in the house of God, I am accountable to make sure that I preach the word of God. Whether you accept it and live by it, that's a different story it's between you and God. So, Paul is saying, do not judge your fellow brother because no believer is accountable to you. They are accountable to God. Number two, we are supposed not to judge because you are not the author of their salvation. You are not the one who died on the cross. You are not the one who shed your blood for them. Jesus is the one that died. Jesus is the one that rose. Jesus is the one that saved them. He is the one that will judge them. So, that not you. So you cannot judge, number one, because believers are accountable to God, not to you. Number two, you do not judge because Christ is the author of our salvation. You do not judge because you are commanded to love. Nowhere in the scriptures that the Bible says that you should judge your brother. No. Say, love your brother. We do not, you know, we do not have the right to judge because we have been commanded to love one another. And when we come, when, when we, when we judge one another, love is no longer at, it is no longer present. When you start judging your fellow brother, you are no longer loving that particular person. 
Number four, we are supposed not to judge because we are commanded not to be a stumbling block. Because as soon as you start judging, you start seeing the things that that person is not doing right. And that person starts becoming very conscious and then they begin to start playing the game of catch-up. So understand that. And then we are, we are not supposed to judge because we are supposed to live in accordance with our convictions. But the Bible says that we are commanded to love. We are commanded to live unto God. We are commanded not to be a stumbling block. We are commanded to be able to love God because the purpose of our faith is not food and drink. The purpose of our faith is not the non-essential. The purpose of our faith is righteousness in the Almighty God. We are called to live in peace with everyone. The question now is, when we start picking sides, when we start judging, when we start refusing to accept one another, what do we create? We create a conflict, a conflict situation. Because if in the church, if I say everybody must pray two hours every day, what you will see is that I'm going to create a bunch of hypocrites. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.